Today, we're going to start the session with a conversation with Alok Nandan, general partner at Emergent Ventures and also founding partner of Arca Venture Labs. Alok, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Likewise. Thank you, Shamana. Thanks for having me on the show. You have this halo around your head. Feels like you're oh. emerging out of the mist with no no don't you don't change anything I'm just teasing you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no I I blurred I blurred my background because uh, okay, I'm sitting in, in, a, in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looks great actually. Looks kind of surreal. All right, <laughs> so let's start uh, start by introducing you to our audience. So tell us about a bit about your background as well as about emergent ventures. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so uh, um, my name is Alok Nandan. Yeah, I I uh, joined Emergent as a as a general partner in 2017. Um, my prior background is I've spent about 15 years as a product guy in enterprise software companies, both big and small. Uh, um, I started my career in Microsoft up in Seattle. I was there for about seven years. I was one of the founding uh, product managers of Windows Azure. Uh, you know, Satya at the time was our VP, uh, so presented to Satya a few times as well. Uh, I moved to Silicon Valley about eight years ago. I was lucky to be part of a couple of startups here. One was a company called Yumi Networks. Uh, I joined them when they were about 50 people, and in a couple of years, uh, they went to 500 full-time people, and they IPO'd on the New York Stock Exchange in 2013, so I was lucky to be part of that IPO. Uh, after that, uh, uh, I... Uh, uh, I was uh, part of another uh, startup here in Menlo Park uh, called Tempo AI. Uh, this was uh, incubated in SRI, Stanford Research Institute, where Siri came out. And what we were doing was building a Siri for the enterprise. Um, and mm -hmm. in fact, the inventor of Siri, uh, Norman Winarski, he was on the board of this uh, startup as well. So we were a small startup, about 10 people. Uh, after about two and a half years, uh, we got some traction in the sales vertical. Uh, a lot of salespeople would use it, and, 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 and after about two and a half years, Salesforce acquired us. So I was in Salesforce for a year as a director of product, uh, integrated, relaunched the product, and, and then around that time started helping early-stage startups with product market fit and go-to-market strategy and so on, and that's how I ended up in venture capital. And uh, yeah, uh, delighted to be here. And uh, Emergent uh, is is an early stage fund. Uh, uh, we do enterprise software investments only, um, and uh, we are based in Silicon Valley. Um, uh, our typical check sizes is uh, you know up to a million dollars. So think of us as the first institutional check into a, a company. And and we are very hands on. Uh, given my background, you know, I roll up my sleeves and work with the entrepreneurs. Uh, to get them to their first uh, three to five uh, customers. So so that's in a so nutshell about uh, myself and the fund. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, double-click down a little bit on uh, Emergent and the specifics sure. of the fund. How big is the fund? Yeah, so uh, fund one was started in 2016. It's a $25 million fund. Uh, we will do about uh, 12 to 15 investments out of this fund about million, million and a half uh, per company. So about a million in the first round, in the seed round, and uh, about similar in follow-on in Series A. And our model is to lead the seed round. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, that's what we have done for about 10 companies already. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, how do you define uh, seed in, in your uh, worldview? 
because you know I'm sure you're watching this trend out there. The seeds yeah. has fragmented, right? It's now pre-seed, seed, post-seed. Well, friends and family, pre-seed, seed, post-seed, pre-series A, small series A, large yep. series A. So, um, correct. Where in that yep. continuum have you positioned yourselves? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, the way uh, we look at it, uh, you're absolutely right. There's lots of noise around what exactly is seed, and there has been different sort of definitions thrown around. Our viewpoint is, if you think about an entrepreneur's journey, right, typically the first round tends to be their own capital or some friends and family, uh, you know, uh, and, and and then there is a there is a large gap to get to a Series A. Where, where the bigger funds come in with an eight to ten million dollar round, right? So we operate in this in this large spectrum where they have raised some capital from friends and family. Uh, they are maybe building a product, and now they want to get to three to five customers so they can be actually ready for a Series A, right? So that is the, the space we uh, play in. Now, some people uh, in the valley may call it pre-seed. A million dollar check in the valley today is probably pre-seed. Uh, we also do some cross-border stuff where startups are coming out of India. For them, a million dollar is still uh, considered a seed, uh, right? So it depends on who you're talking to in the entrepreneur side as well. Um, in the Valley, uh, probably, uh, I think it's a, it's a mix of, uh, you know, uh, and again, it depends on the uh, whether it's a, it's a B2C uh, uh, consumer startup or an enterprise startup. Um, but in the enterprise space, I, I would say uh, a $3 million uh, seed round is still pretty common with, a, you know, we leading sort of a million, million and a half, and then maybe another, uh, another fund co-leading uh, co with us or, or the, uh, the founder filling out the round with uh, smaller angel checks. Does that make sense? So, um, yeah, uh, let me probe that a moment, uh, for a moment. Uh, you mm -hmm. said companies that have launched a product and are getting ready to get their product in the hands of three to five customers. Did I hear that right? Uh, correct. Yeah, ideally, uh, you know, they should have at least some MVP, some semblance of a product, and, and that's when we sort of uh, uh, engage. I mean, having said that, uh, there are always exceptions. Not necessarily yeah, so a customer. You, you are okay with no, 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 three not, customers? No, 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 not necessarily. Yeah, not okay. necessarily with a customer. They should have some MVP product that they can show. Uh, that is where we sort of, uh, that's sort of our, our, our sweet spot. Uh, and and um, uh, having said that, uh, you know, there are exceptions. There may be founders which are repeat entrepreneurs. For them, even if it's a PowerPoint deck, if, if it's a very compelling idea and the entrepreneur and the team is, is sort of uh, seasoned uh, at what they're doing, then, then we may come in. Uh, at that stage as well. But typically it is when they have a semblance of a product, they may or may not have customers and, and we engage with them and help them get to first three to five customers. So, you know, our uh, community is going to be largely first-time entrepreneurs. Um, mm -hmm. and, and very often what we hear from investors is that they don't want to invest in first-time entrepreneurs until they have some customer validation. That's just right. a comment, that's just an observation about what's happening in the industry. Repeat entrepreneurs is a right. very different story. Yep. So um, you said enterprise software is your primary um, focus. Elaborate. Correct. What what trends are you seeing? What trends interest you? Of course, I'm sure you're sure. going to say AI, but get more granular. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there are two specific areas uh, within uh, that uh, you know uh, that we look for, and and we broadly define uh, the area that we look for is what we call intelligent software, which is software that becomes better with use. Uh, you know, and it's another. Uh, it's it's a uh, we think it's a it's a more simpler way of describing uh, a software that is enabled by AI. Uh, right. It's it's basically becoming Learning better technology. with use. Yeah. And and then in terms of uh, specific uh, sub-segments within that, uh, we look at uh, cloud infrastructure. So so two uh, technologies and infrastructure that's powering these applications, uh, these intelligent mm -hmm. software applications. That's an area of interest for us, and we have done investments in that. And then within the uh, intelligent software space, uh, we look for specific use cases uh, which have a sort of a business focus. So for example. AI for a specific sales use case, like sales forecasting for AI, uh, or it, it could mm -hmm. be something in the marketing space, or it could be in the customer support space. So, uh, you know, apply what we call applied AI or uh, for a specific mm -hmm. business use case. That's that's uh, uh, of interest to us, and we have done investments in all of these areas. Uh, for example, there's a company called Boostup, that AI, which is in sales forecasting AI. Uh, that is one of our investments. Uh, there's a company called SupportLogic.io. That's a, a AI for technical customer support. That's uh, mm -hmm. one of our portfolio companies. Yeah. Now, um, you said geography-wise, you are doing cross-border with India, um, and does that yes. mean that you're doing all over the United States and cross-border with India? Is that uh, yes. accurate geography? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll double click on that a little bit. Uh, so what we are looking for is entrepreneurs uh, which have the ability to build teams uh, outside the Bay Area. Bay Area, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, today has become super expensive, especially for hiring yes. engineers, right? And, and, and with the check size, with the check sizes we come in, it's very very difficult to build a product, right? Uh, yep. uh, with with the engineers here, right? So. So what we are looking for is entrepreneurs that can build a team outside the Bay Area. And we have invested in companies uh, which have a team in Atlanta, which have a team in yeah. Austin, uh, or could have a team in, 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 in Seattle or even Salt Lake City, right? So we, that's fair game, right? So, so any, anywhere where there is talent, uh, as long as uh, one of the founders is, 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 is in the Bay Area, uh, that's fair game. Now, India is interesting. There's a lot of uh, enterprise SaaS companies coming out of India. Now we yes. find them here, and usually what happens is the founder is in Silicon Valley, and we meet them here, right? So we typically invest when they are already here, uh, and then maybe that part of their team, uh, engineering team, could be in Bangalore or something like that, right? So that sort of is the model uh, that is uh, ideal for uh, for the companies that we invest in. Okay. Now. Um... Talk a bit about trends. If you look at the last 18 months of your deal flow, what are you spotting by way of trends? Synthesize for me what you're, what's out there that's worth talking about. So I think, I think uh, one of the big trends is, is around, uh, obviously AI is infusing every aspect of a business yes. process. I think the next trend, uh, and, and we haven't made an investment in it yet, uh, but uh, is around uh, the explainability or the accountability of AI, uh, mm -hmm. uh, which is around, you know, how do you make sure that the, your machine learning models are actually uh, explainable to a human being as, a, mm -hmm. you know, in what they're doing, right? They're not like a black box, 
right? So that is an important trend, I think, which will apply to most of our portfolio companies as well as other uh, companies out there which are up using any sort of uh, machine learning or AI, right? Which is around this explainability and accountability of, uh, of, of these uh, uh, AI models. And McKinsey has Hello, a report um, also. I have a this. question about yeah. this before we go on to the next yeah. point that you were going to make. Um, yeah. You know, I've been thinking about explainability. So your learning models start mm -hmm. evolving, right? You have a learning model buried into any workflow function, whether it's sales, yep. marketing, sales forecasting, you know, whatever. Um, and then the learning model starts to kick in gear and it starts making decisions, starts getting smart. Um, to what extent do you see the... Uh, the engineers and the architects of these systems simulating what, what where is this learning model going to go? You, uh, uh, so, uh, maybe I, I'm not fully understanding your question. So uh, when you say where will the machine learning model go in the, in the sense that how will it evolve? Uh, yes, or... because, uh, because, you know, yeah. as, a, as an architect of an AI system, you set up the heuristics mm -hmm. on what's going to happen, how your machine learning model is going to evolve, but the data comes in and the machine learning model evolves, starts evolving. To what extent can you control that evolution is the question that I'm asking. And, yeah. and it, it yeah. kind of relates yeah. with your explainability question. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, I think, I think what companies will have to do um, uh, is uh, build guardrails around these models where mm -hmm. if 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 the if the if the if the model starts to uh, produce results that are beyond a certain expected uh, sort of spectrum of results uh, then mm -hmm. then i think it it needs to be flagged automatically right the, uh, you can write software to automatically flag it right that hey this model is quote unquote behaving badly <laughs> right or, or or not as expected right so so i think i think that is doable and i think that will happen and I, I'm pretty sure that's already happening. For example, in Salesforce, Salesforce has an Einstein group, and they have mm -hmm. some of these check, checks and balances. Uh, 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 you know, at least they were talking about it uh, a year ago, right? So, uh, which is around having these guardrails built in so that a, a novice user or even a sort of a semi uh, semi expert user doesn't shoot themselves in the foot with the with the AI model, right? So, so, so these guardrails are being built and i think there will be more and more and and the more sensitive the 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 area for example if it is an hr uh, you know and 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 the, the the model is deciding whether to hire somebody or not and 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 the data is 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 somehow uh, you know biased in one manner or another uh, then mm -hmm. then how do you control that right how do you have checks and balance uh, right so there 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 will be uh, more and more uh, uh, work. I think there, it's also, I, I believe, a research topic. Uh, and, and so there'll be more research on this as well as there'll be more uh, product uh, innovation around building these guardrails so that they're automatically caught when the models go out of bound, let's say, or, or out of the ex expected spectrum of results. One of my um, concerns is that the first wave of AI models don't have guardrails, and they're going to come mm. up with a mm. lot of... Uh, you know, uh, questionable. I mean, sales is probably not the most risky territory, but yeah. HR, as you pointed right. out, is a more risky territory. And then if you move on to stuff like medical, 
you know, healthcare data and uh, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That gets into very risky yeah. territory. Yeah, I mean, I think you can't, with healthcare, I think there has to be a, a human in the loop, right? I mean, it cannot be that the machine is, is, is producing a result and, 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 and uh, there isn't a human reviewing that result before an action is taken. Right, so so I think for 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 healthcare, uh, even for financial services, right? Like I'll give an example, right? Yeah. Let's say there's a model that decides whether somebody is credit worthy or not, and and based yeah. on that, give, gives out a loan or not, right? Now now there could be a, some bias built into the model, right? That you know, and and, and so there has to be a, a, a and and that's where this explainability comes in, and and that's where sort of a human in the loop has to be in the decision making path. Um, uh, you know, today to to con to you know to provide that checks and balance, right? Uh, and and I agree that but, uh, there is a the lot fintech of is actually, a lot of hype. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Fintech, fintech is a segment where there isn't a lot of human in the loop because one of the uh, great benefits that AI is delivering within the fintech, especially lending space. If you look at small business lending and you know credit in general, right. all this fintech credit companies, they're you know, claim big value proposition is that we approve loans within uh, 30 seconds or 30 minutes or whatever, and there is right, no human right, in the loop. Right, that right. the whole whole reason the tray is to uh, you right, know right. to do it no, quickly. No, I, I think they're fine. I think I think I think you're absolutely right. But I mean, AI. I mean, you can still uh, run it. I mean, human in the loop. See, the, if the, if it falls within a certain range then I guess, you know, it, it will automatically get approved, right? And humans may only get yes. uh, pulled in if there is exceptions to the rule, right? So you yeah. can still do some of, some of that uh, uh, fast processing with a human in the loop because human is not reviewing every outcome that the model is doing. It's only reviewing the exceptions, right? Yes, that's right. Or the ones that, that are, are outside of the kind of the expected uh, spectrum of results, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. But you're actually absolutely right. I think this is, and I, I believe financial services uh, are waking up to this. I think there's more and more um, um, accountability of the models uh, being built in uh, as we speak. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, I mean uh, and the fintech uh, companies are definitely at the forefront of this in terms of adoption of these newer techniques. Yeah. So switching gears a bit, uh, where... Which of your portfolio companies are you most excited about? And take us through an analysis of how did you encounter this company? What did you see that triggered your interest in investing in the company? And what I'm trying to do here is provide a couple of examples so that our audience can understand how you analyze deals. Sure, sure. Uh, so, so one of our portfolio companies is a company called Observe.ai. And, and they are in voice analytics for call centers. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so uh, I'll give you first the use case and then talk about uh, the journey and how they're doing right now. So typically, whenever, uh, you know, we, in the U.S. at least, whenever we call a customer support, let's say you're calling Comcast because your internet is down, right? There is a voice that says yeah, that your voice may be recorded for quality assurance purposes. Right. Yeah. And but what they do is uh, most of this voice recordings are just sitting there, um, and and once in a while, one in a hundred calls, there will be a, a QA rep uh, who will listen to the call, manually fill out a paper-based assessment, 
uh, as to how the call went. Was the customer happy or not? Was the problem solved or not? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that's that's what happens today. So, what observed that AI uh, came in and said, let's analyze every such voice recording, and they mm -hmm. automatically using machine learning and AI, and they automatically come up with a customer satisfaction score and NPS score, and and they mm -hmm. come up with a sentiment analysis of whether the customer was happy or not, uh, and and at the end of the call versus the beginning of the call, and they do this deep analysis of the calls, and essentially. Uh, you know, um, now uh, the 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 company can get uh, better call coverage, higher uh, uh, potential, uh, you know, accuracy, uh, and 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 all at a lower price, right? Uh, and so that's what uh, Observe that AI uh, does. We are very bullish on them. We led the seed round. Uh, they raised the Series A uh, uh, from a well-known Valley VC, um, and they're executing quite well. They have two of the largest call centers in the world as their customers. Uh, they have companies like TripAdvisor and Square as their customers as well, um, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so so that's on the on the on the company side. The way we found them is the the two the founders are two uh, engineers. Uh, one guy used to be a software engineer in Twitter, here in San Francisco. Uh, the other guy was a software engineer in Inmobi in Bangalore, and and they're mm -hmm. both classmates uh, uh, from IIT. And 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 when they 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 were just ideating when they met us and they had uh, you know different ideas of what they wanted to do, uh, and, but we met them and we liked the team and so we kind of uh, rolled up our sleeves and looked at different uh, areas uh, where we could build a product and we uh, encountered this particular area, uh, which was uh, you know sort of uh, I I felt ripe for disruption, uh, so so that's that's. Uh, uh, that's how we met them. Uh, I mean, the uh, the founder uh, who was in Twitter, he had moved back to Bangalore because Twitter had acquired a company uh, uh, there called uh, uh, Just Dial, and he was leading the engineering there. And then after that, he left Twitter and started the company with his uh, classmate uh, from Inmobi. And and um, we helped them uh, find uh, their third co-founder, which was a sales guy who had worked in this industry, in the call center industry. And uh, he was uh, super bullish about uh, this particular space, and so he joined them, um, you know, full time. And 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 we helped uh, the two founders uh, interview this sales guy and sort of vetted him before he joined. And so kind of the team got together, and we kind of helped them get to the first, uh, you know, sort of uh, product market fit. Uh, uh, and, and even now, I mean, they're they're doing quite well. We are actively helping them. Find uh, you know more people to join and and even even bringing them potential customers. Yeah. And uh, when so when they started this company and when you wrote your first check, they did not yet have a product or did they have the product already? No. So they were actually building something else uh, when 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 they when they met us, and uh, over the course of uh, the next uh, six months, uh, they you know iterated and pivoted and and eventually arrived at this idea. And initially, we wrote them a small check, uh, and, and then we doubled down over the course of of the year, and uh, you know, uh, uh, eventually led the seed round, right? So, so it was it was uh, it was a, I would say, a extended dating period, uh, but at the same time, we were actively helping them, uh, you know, kind of ideate and and figure out what are the opportunities and so on. So, you invested in the team, really. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean that's the key, right? The stage at which we come in. Uh, the team is is super important, and we need to see that is one of the the key criteria we look for. And we look for uh, people who are on this uh, high trajectory of personal growth, 
you know, and and and, and whether uh, in, in in terms of what they have done in the past, in terms of uh, how they interact with people, uh, in terms of their uh, sort of uh, balance, um, you know, in 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 you know in difficult circumstances. So we observe. Uh, that and it's difficult to do it in one meeting, so we do it over a course of two, three meetings, and we try to and we do reference checks and so on, and we try to form a view of of the person because that is super critical at the stage we come in. It's more about the person than it is about the product or the market. How many deals have you done that have this characteristic of investing in a team that doesn't yet have the positioning for their product or business figured out? I would say I would say about um, one in four, so about twenty five percent are like this. Twenty five percent, okay, good. That's that's pretty concrete. Now, um, yep. can you talk about another example where the team was in place, but also they had more more idea about what they were building and and where the product positioning at least was further along? And then you can tell me what what were the rest of the circumstances. I'm just trying to get a different viewpoint. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, so there, there, this is uh, another company of ours that's close to uh, my heart. It's a company called Blitz.io uh, with a double Z. Uh, and 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 the founder, uh, he's a pretty senior guy. He used to work in Oracle uh, here in, in 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 the Bay Area. He and then after uh, you know, so he's he's been in this database space for about uh, twelve plus years. Uh, so he's a domain expert. He was in the core. Uh, you know, uh, database engine in Oracle, and then he joined a startup in San Francisco called MemSQL. He was a director of engineering there, and yeah. and uh, uh, the product uh, and the idea was that when he was in MemSQL, MemSQL is 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 a cloud database, a cloud native database, right? And so then MemSQL used to go into accounts, uh, and they would say, "Hey, buy a product." They had to show a proof of concept, right? And and uh, and and the proof of concept was: Can you run this application that is already running an Oracle on MemSQL database, right? And even mm -hmm. to do that um, uh, that migration and and to show that proof of concept was very hard for MemSQL. It would take them six months, twelve months to do it. So this guy mm -hmm. had an idea, uh, 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 and and he left MemSQL and started the company. And the idea was: How can we make this uh, migration and replication of data from a from a traditional uh, Oracle or a SAP database to this new age uh, cloud native uh, database like MemSQL. So he built a product mm -hmm. for that specific use case, uh, and mm -hmm. then he came to us, right? And 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 so it was a very well formed idea. This guy was a domain expert, and and mm -hmm. and he knew what he was doing, and and. Uh, uh, and, and, and he pitched to us, and, and, and that's how we funded him, right? So it was a, it was a completely different case where, uh, you know, the, the product and the market was uh, sort of well-defined, uh, and, and, and the team, uh, I mean, the team is obviously important, uh, and this guy has the domain expert. He's one of the, I mean, he's published papers. He's a well-regarded well uh, person in this industry, in the database uh, industry, distributed database industry. Yeah. So that's, that's another yeah. example, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, you, what you're highlighting is the tremendous um, desirability on investors' part of domain experts. This is something that we that discuss is, a lot in the program. Absolutely, that's exactly right. I, I think, I think, uh, I think, you know, obviously there is a there's an advantage to be an outsider into an industry, but as a startup to be able to crack. 
product as well as market while being an outsider alone is difficult so one of if if not all the founders at least one of the founders needs to be from that industry right and and they need not be a super domain expert but somewhat of a you know expert in that industry so that they know how to navigate uh, into the market or the industry that they're selling into yeah but i i mean honestly i hear from lots of investors that they're very ready to find uh, if they do find a real domain expert their their the fundability goes up tremendously absolutely no no doubt about that yep all right well alok that was a fascinating conversation thank you for all your inputs and uh, i will let you go home <laughs> okay thank you shamana thanks for having me it was a pleasure great seeing you and, yeah uh, having, great seeing you yeah yeah yep. bye bye cheers